Hello and welcome to the Modern Reformer podcast. The mission of the Modern Reformer is the edification of the saints through the recovery of the historic faith. I'm your host, Mitchell Roten, joined by my co-host, Avery Roten. <coughs> Morning, Avery. How we doing? Oh, fair to Mitla, you might say. <laughs> Mitlin. Using that old confessional language. Fair to Mitlin. Fair to Mitlin. And the Lord was Mitlin. <laughs> he stinketh. Mm. <laughs> He's been in there three days. He's been in there. He stinketh. It's hard to recover after the law of God. That was uh, two lengthy episodes there. Too lengthy. A lot of very important matters in hand on that. Agreed. Practical Christianity. That's right. Rubs up against the law of God very hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> agree with that. Okay. Agree with that. What we got on the docket today, though, Mitch? Let's <laughs> just endeavor to persevere and move forward. <laughs> In our confessional. Uh, we shall endeavor. We shall. <laughs> what? Uh, in our confessional endeavor here. Well, here at the Manville Divines. We're <laughs> moving on. Chapter 20 of the Gospel and the Extent of Grace Thereof. Mm. It's a pretty unique chapter. Yeah, why don't you get into that? It's a pretty unique chapter. The reason it's unique <laughs> is because the Westminster, the Westminster Confession of Faith does not have it. Mm. They don't. The Westminster doesn't explicitly define these things, right? So then you ask yourself, well, then why not? And then you come to find out <laughs> that this chapter is uh, pretty much copy and pasted. There's uh, one word difference that's really substantive in the first subpoint. <clears throat> copy and pasted from what? Uh, the Savoy. Yeah. So... Uh, the, we've been talking about continuing. I'll give you, we'll just look at it a little bit. But throughout this podcast, we've talked about the three Puritan confessions. And what are those, Mitch? You remember those? The three Puritan confessions? Yes. The Westminster Savoy and London. It's the second London. So there you go. <clears throat> Which the first London also, really. But. Right. Well, yeah. So, uh, correct. So those are the three Puritan confessions you see operating on the. Uh, non-mainland of England during the time of, of this. So the Savoy adds this <clears throat> to their confession and the Baptist just kind of copy and paste it to theirs. Yeah, all four points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the biggest difference in point one, it says, um, <clears throat> which Renahan in his book said it made a bigger difference. And I, but, that they, that, what's that? But they use that the fourth, uh, they changed wording. I'd have to go back and look. The Savoy, but they changed, does bring forth... <laughs> The Savoy, God was pleased to give unto the elect. Mm-hmm. God was pleased to give forth the promise of Christ. Yeah, so he says that's maybe substantive there. I don't really want to get into it. No. <clears throat> I don't think it is, but nope. yeah, it's probably not too good idea to go against him. But mm. so um, the reason that he brings out, uh, which I think makes a lot of sense to me, the reason this is added to the Savoy, because you're looking at the Savoy's. You know, it's later than the Westminster. Um, I can't remember the year which it's penned. <clears throat> but it's 1650s, somewhere in there. Right. So at that point in time, you have different challenges coming up uh, that, the, that the Westminster is really not, you know, the Westminster is really not dealing with. 
So you have the resurgence of like high church Anglicanism there, uh, which is Armenian in nature. So after you know after the after the Westminster divines and the confession brings forth Aaron Cromwell, we went through all that in episode one. Mm. Been a while. Been a while. Yeah. So we went. Through, well, we didn't go through all that. We hit the highlights of that. So in the Savoy, they're going to be. This is going to be resurgence of of this idea of inclusionism. Versus exclusionism, so exclusive versus inclusion, <clears throat> and that debate's pretty much is in: can people have uh, like not explicit faith in Christ and still be grafted into the kingdom of God, or still have salvation? Uh, so implicit, can they have implicit faith? That's the word I was looking for. Can they have implicit faith from natural revelation given to them? Mm-hmm. And the and the Armenian answer at the time is yes. And you also had the other group, the Sassanians. We've been talking about them, non-Trinitarian heretics, which was a lot of what the Puritans are reacting against in this time. They would have said yes. And then you would actually had Richard Baxter himself, uh, a very well-known and author of the Reformed Pastor, a very well-known Puritan. They would have said yes, that uh, they can live up to the light given and they can have, uh, uh, they can have uh, implicit faith through what they know in the gospel. Yeah, which fully denies any need for evangelism. Right. right. So you got a lot of problems with that. Uh, yeah, you, you got a lot of problems with that. A lot of problems. So that's the reason. That's how this chapter is born in in that uh, environment for that reason to and it's, clarify that. I would say it's we find ourselves in an even more. Yeah, it's a good thing that we have it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even more inclusive thing. It's like what. How can I possibly construe it so that everyone I know will go to heaven? And uh, that's where we're right. At. Yeah. Well, that that's that's an old thought. So yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much what this chapter is against. And also, we can I can talk about this after we get into the subpoints. But also, uh, the other thing of which the Savoy would have added is so at the time that it is at the Savoy's pen, the big. Uh, well, let's just say that New England congregationalism is really, it's taken off. And that's the predominant religion in America, and New England America anyway, is uh, <clears throat> is congregationalism, or what they would have called independence. If you're, you're an independent, so John Owen was an independent, Cromwell's independent. You have that minority position inside the Reformed tradition in Europe. So you're an independent there. You're a congregationalist when you go across the pond. It's the same thing. It's just a different word for the polity. But you'd have had um, you'd have had uh, congregationalism really taken off in New England, and the lobby against them is then they're not evangelizing the Native Americans, and they're and this is a, becomes a polity reason to saying that well, it's because they're congregationalists they can't get this done, <laughs> and those things. So they're gonna go back and and say no, and Owen's gonna pin this this response to a lot of these problems as he converts to congregationalism in the. 1640s or 50s, whenever he does it, he's going to say no. You know, it's, it's not a problem of polity. You know, we believe God's sovereign, right? So <laughs> that whole argument is going to come back to the sovereignty of God, and that's also you see that that particular flavor come out in this chapter as well. <coughs> so the at the very least, medieval Catholic stance is that only people are saved through union with the church and the pope. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to believe you have to be in the holy apostolic and one true church, Rome, they say. Mm-hmm. You have to believe it's dogmas de fide by faith. So it's uh-huh. definitional to faith, yes. Yeah. So that's still <clears throat> still dogma there in the Catholic Church. At least officially. You know, uh, officially. Any so of, so what the Catholic yeah. Church has metastasized into is this what this is reacting against. The Catholic Church now, um, if you recall, and again this is kind of Something that you could have definitely missed and be okay, but there was a time not long ago, maybe a year or two ago, when a, a little boy came to Pope Francis and said, my dad was an avid atheist. Uh, is he in heaven? And Pope Francis basically said, who am I to say? He said he baptized his children. Yeah. That was his big... That, well, he baptized his children. He's probably all right. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> well, that's literally what he said. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, it just... It, it evidences uh, the the... The rot. The ethos of the modern, <laughs> not just Catholic Church, unfortunately, but almost, I don't know, the, the exclusivity of the gospel and the power of saving faith, what it produces, the biblical witness of these things is skewed at best and uh, in our you know overall culture. So um, I think the Catholic Church is correct on exclusivity. They're incorrect on how that is mediated by... A long shot, right? But um, uh, yeah. so union with the Pope and the Church. I mean, that's an that's an oversimplification, but that's really the the stance up until what'd you say, sixties, nineteen sixties. Vatican II had some language, to say the least, in it that was inclusive. Um, really, Vatican II changed the entire landscape. Of, Didn't that? That's the one that changed the catechism, correct? They changed something. They changed quite a few things yeah. in Vatican II. Mm-hmm. Um, papal infallibility is Vatican I. No coincidence that what follows, <laughs> Vatican II. <laughs> so, so anyway, long story short, uh, the, the Catholics aren't the only people that have become inclusive. Um, if you recall the... And again, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but if you recall the, I want to say it was CNN, but a, a, a legacy news media station had a Catholic priest and Billy Graham on. Now, this is Billy Graham was up in years, I want to say late 80s, maybe 90s, uh, before his death, obviously, <laughs> had him on there, and the Catholic priest was hardcore preaching inclusivism, and Billy Graham just kind of said, yeah, that's, yeah. Pretty much, as long as you do your best, you know, wipe your nose and and uh, just live up to what you have, what you know, then you're you're, you're good. Which is uh, yeah, it's classic Armenian position, really. Yeah, so. and it makes I hate to say it, but you could see why it makes sense with that system. Mm, all right. Yeah. What's well, the enthronement of the wheel, right? So. Yeah. So just do your best. Yeah. Um, it, Super depressing. So, to dumb it down for a guy like me, the the purpose of this chapter is to say that the very well-meaning pagan is lost. Um, yeah. If he doesn't know Christ, then he then he doesn't know Christ. So. Uh, yeah, you pretty. have to have explicit faith in Christ in order to be saved, not implicit by any sort of <coughs> yeah. action and by any sort of whatever lesser knowledge of what you have of natural revelation <clears throat> that, that that can never save yeah so this gets back into a lot of things we've already discussed remember the chapter on the holy scriptures for example mm-hmm. 
we made a sharp distinction between natural revelation and special revelation, and that's just terminology. So, natural revelation is what's known natural to men, such as um, Romans 1. Yeah. That there is a creator, that his divine attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world through the things that have been made. That is the basis for all theologizing philosophy on on natural revelation, Romans 1. That's enough to condemn you. It's never enough to save you. Yeah, that's, that's what we said. That's going to be, <laughs> well, that's what Roman says. So, yeah, I agree. So that's suppressed by the natural man. Apart so the, from special revelation, natural revelation will not be rightly understood. So an example, I think, is um, you may have, and you see that, and I hate to, but you see this in like every movie you've ever watched. You have this like terrible moral failure of a person, but he loves his children or something like that. <laughs> and he's tried, to, he's painted as like, oh, he's conflicted and he's really deep down a good dude and Look what he did for his child. What kind of movies you've been watching? Uh, that was Sesame Street. <laughs> that was Bob the Builder or something. Yeah. But uh, that's just that. That's how we tend to think of people as like, oh, they make mistakes, but they're overall, you know, deep down, they got something good in there. And the biblical witness is the opposite, completely. <laughs> that they don't make mistakes. They're sinners, and that's all that they can do apart from regenerating grace. Yeah. Apart and from special revelation. Yeah. yeah. And knowledge of God mm-hmm. that's given through his word. So, yeah, it's extremely offensive. So, and that, and yeah. we don't care. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's not up to me what what the Bible says at the end of the day. I do think this is a necessary chapter. I, I don't think it's... We're not trying to throw rocks at the Westminster Confession that they don't include. Well, they're just, they're just, it's just... It's yeah. just a, it's an earlier confession. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they yeah. would disagree with this. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I don't for sure. No. Absolutely not. <clears throat> the, yeah, the the Westminster divines is definitely not gonna not gonna be inclusivistic. No. You know what I mean? No. There. You know, anyway, so uh, Renahead also brings out that this chapter really ties together a lot of other chapters that you were bringing out: the Holy Scriptures, Covenant theology, Chapter Seven, mm-hmm. uh, Justification, yeah. all those things. And then the term that he uses—that's the reason you should read the, the Confession sideways. He just means systematically. He means tying them together. Mm-hmm. That means it's not. Individual chapters, but right, and one systematic theology. Right, it's yeah. it's it's building up on itself and further defining terms. It's not. Yeah, and yeah. to illustrate that, you would say if all these other things are so, if we're if there is natural revelation, but it doesn't save men, and it only is 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 enough to condemn men, and uh, there is special revelation, and that's the that's the means that the Spirit uses to bring new life, right. Even though it's all his work, he uses means, and the means is the revelation given in Scripture of Christ. So, <clears throat> if those things are true, then you ask yeah. the question: Well, this Native American pagan was a really nice fella. Like it doesn't matter. Like that's not what we're, we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Something completely different when it comes yeah. to eternal destinies and the mediation of Christ's blood. Yeah. Right. I mean, so. Yeah, that's going. That's sub point one there for you. <clears throat> that's pretty much what they're getting at. I think. But yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, we live in a very non-exclusivistic time. Everybody wants to be okay with everyone else. Yeah, it's a great chapter to have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to have it. So, I think similarly, if you wrote a confession in 1985 uh, about your current cultural situation, it would be very applicable to today. But there would be some things that were left out, like. Um, Stuff that wasn't happening in the world, <laughs> transgenderism, 
uh, blessing of same-sex unions and a marital status, things of that nature. So similarly, I think they if if you go back to 1985 and you were to ask, do you approve of this? Like, uh, no, <laughs> of course not. What are you even talking about? But uh, when the time comes, it's necessary to speak to the time you're in. And I think that's what we're saying. That's why mm. this chapter is included versus excluded from the Westminster. Yeah, I agree with that. <coughs> so there, they have further developments and things in which they're reacting against as, as, as Savoy. It's a Savoy brings forth the chapter and the Baptist copy it. Yeah. Amen. All right. So chapter 20 of the gospel and the extent of grace thereof, which is a fancy way to just say, how's it work? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> What's the gospel? How's, how does it apply? To, so, yeah. Paragraph one. The covenant of works being broken by sin and made unprofitable unto life. God was pleased to give forth the promise of Christ, the seed of the woman, as the means of calling the elect, begetting them in faith and repentance. In this promise, the gospel, as to the substance of it, was revealed, and is therein effectual for the conversion and salvation of sinners. So they use Genesis 3.15, which is the proto-evangelium, <laughs> the first promise of the gospel, um, the seed of the woman being used in 3.15, Paul, Galatians 4.4, 4, they don't use, but it's a parallel. Um, says that Christ is the fulfillment of that. Paul also in Galatians says that Christ is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, by the way, that he did not say seeds, plural, but seed, singular, tying it back again to that original promise of God made before any other promise, in some sense, Genesis 3.15, that uh, if you have an allergy to systematic theology, it's not good. The Bible is a systematic book. So they also use Revelation 13, 8. All who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. That's talking about, of course, well, something. Talking about something. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I think what they're trying to highlight is the eternal salvation um, given by God through Christ before the world begins. This, again, tying into... Almost everything we've touched it's in some ways. Anyway, so the covenant of works being broken by sin made him profitable unto life. Um, I think what they mean is, of course, in Adam, our federal head, he fails. No one else after him could possibly succeed because of their nature. And it therefore becomes unprofitable. Yeah, so you see, this the covenant of works is only used here. Uh, actually, the, well, the language, the concepts was obviously found, and we looked at chapter seven there with covenant theology. I think that's chapter seven, but anyway, yeah. So that that term is not used there; it's used here. So this is the only time it is used, hmm. uh, and that's uh, confessing here the uniqueness of Adam's situation. Or hmm. so we're we're not all like Adam in that. So we all fall with him and are fallen in nature. So uh, all these pagans out there aren't in a covenant of works in the sense that they can fulfill it if they live up to the natural light. That's the reason this is being said. And you can see why you would almost by natural reason come to wrong conclusions. Like natural reason is, is an existent thing, right? But I've had so many conversations and even myself had so many wrong beliefs at, at one point or another about various things because it makes sense to me. <laughs> You know, like it makes sense to me that um, 
like my life and my relationship to other human beings, I would relate in that same way to God. So if I'm good to my wife, she's good to me and we have a harmonious relationship and it's based on some form of my action and my, for lack of a better word, my works. <laughs> um, not so with God. And, and it, it doesn't make natural sense. In fact, I think Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 would say that it's actually opposed to natural reason, um, that it's a stumbling block. And that's what we're getting at, I think, in this chapter is the gospel, you're, you're not going to reason your way towards it. You can't feel your way towards it and find it um, without special revelation, right? without the giving of the message from God, without the revelation yeah. of Christ and it, the work of the Spirit. No, that's because of the original sin and the nature given to you as you are an Adam. Um, so that's the that's what you got, the good pleasure to give forth the promise of <clears throat> Christ. Okay, so that that's what's left now. It's not a, no longer an operations of the sense of Adam that you can live up to a certain standard and then uh, reach heaven. So we brought up Pelagius in the past. Right. right. Pelagius is the, is, the, is the guy that says we're all like Adam. We all start from the same point of neutrality. Yeah. Uh, maybe even, and, and there's debates, I suppose, but maybe even we start goodness. We start naturally good, but at least we start naturally neutral, and then it's on us. So yeah. Christ, his entire point in that system of Pelagianism is to um, be an example, to follow. Right. You know? Right. So you don't need grace. There's no. N- there's no need of grace for any kind of salvation. You can... You can live up to its standards apart from it, mm-hmm. and if you're in any form of inclusion, has to entertain that pretty heavily. If yeah. not, completely if, be straight Pelagian. If they don't, that would be a logical inconsistency. I wouldn't see how you couldn't. Yeah, you ha- you have to believe the opposite of man's nature, and then the opposite of man's ability that the Bible yeah. prescribes. So yeah, so you see, so you see the covenant of works given to Adam. You see that termination, and then now you see the seed of the woman promised. Mm-hmm. And repentance and faith is now how uh, people are begotten of the Father, or, or that's how Christians are brought forth. They're not brought forth by living up to revelation. And that that faith and repentance is explicit. Um, it's not a general thing. That's faith in Christ and repentance from the sin of the Bible. Right. I think it's very, very brilliantly, you might say, very well worded here. God was pleased to give forth the promise of Christ, okay, as the means of calling the elect. Yes. Yeah. So I say it's brilliantly worded because that isn't um, excluding Old Testament believers in any sense. He's saying this promise, this universal covenant in yeah. some sense that God has entered into with himself to, as we see in Ephesians, various other places, that's the means through which people are saved. Uh, no other means. Yeah, and you, I mean, you see that in chapter 7 as well. So they're going to say that Christ and his benefits are communicated to the elect throughout all ages. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's what, that's, so since the, since the promise is there and, the, and, and, it's, and it's a done deal, as in this is the plan of redemption, it will come forth because of his sovereignty, it, its benefits are retroactive to Christ's death. We, we went through that in the covenant <clears throat> episodes. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they're saying. The seed of the woman, uh, his, it's effectual. Uh, it's effectual for the conversion and salvation of sinners. So Christ's blood is the only exclusive way, and the means of repentance and faith is the only means in which that is applied to you. Is mm-hmm. is what one saying? And yeah. I, obviously, Scripture is saying that. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I think 
the Revelation passage they use is easily overlooked, you know, mm-hmm. as to what it's saying. Um, whatever it means, <laughs> as far as time frame, uh, right, what it is saying is all those that uh, are not written in the book of the uh, of life in of the Lamb before the foundation of the world are not converted in some sense. So, oh yeah. I agree with that. That's the, the, the so the difference between a saved and a lost person from one perspective is election only. Like that's it. It's that God chose to save them and show his grace to them. End of conversation. Now again, also practically there's a lot of there's a lot of differences between them. Obedience to God's commands, repentance, faith, love towards the neighbor. So, but in general, it's just grace. Yeah, that, that divides us here. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, repentance and faith—the special revelation that is effectual for the elect, as in that will bring them forth. <clears throat> That's what the commission is, right? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> okay. Paragraph two: The promise of Christ and salvation by Him is revealed only by the Word of God. Neither do the works of creation or providence with the light of nature, make discovery of Christ, or of grace by him, so much as in a general or obscure obscure way, much less that men destitute of the revelation of him by the promise uh, or gospel should be enabled thereby to attain saving faith or repentance. So they use some very good scriptures here. Romans 117. All right, we knew we were getting there. (laughs) Actually, I'm sorry, for some reason... This is, uh, give me a second. For some reason, the app I'm using cited Romans the entire first chapter, which is also applicable, I would say. <laughs> One, it's 117. <laughs> but I think they just, that's that's an error, I think, <laughs> in my app. Romans 117 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That is the gospel. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1.16. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also the Greek. And then their citation, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, which is an allusion to Habakkuk, by the way. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith, which is a direct quotation from Habakkuk. <laughs> so, not a new concept. Yeah, I guess that's what, the only reason I bring that up is um, faith being the instrument <laughs> of justification has always been uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, you've been there. So, I also use Romans 10, 14. And this is massive, I think, in this whole conversation. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they're sent? It's pretty damning evidence. It is, man. (laughs) I mean, it's not sure how else to get across. You yeah. got any verses? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, the last, of course, they, they cite Romans ten fourteen through 17, basically. 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Case. They're closed. Right. It's, <laughs> and it's a death nail to that position, I think. Um, interestingly, they use Proverbs twenty nine eighteen where there is no prophetic vision. The people are, are cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. To the testimony of law. Yeah. And it's Isaiah 6, mm-hmm. somewhere. I think they, they, they quote that too, don't they? Yeah. 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 So they use Isaiah. Uh, 
62 to 3 for behold darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples but the lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you the nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising mm. kings <laughs> anyway anyway so uh point two is going to take away any kind of coping mechanism you you want to have um to make the tr- the truth of the reality any kind of softer to you uh apart from special revelation and explicit faith in christ there is no salvation <clears throat> um that's what point two saying the natural light is in no way uh, adequate for that so <clears throat> i think in our minds we have some kind of uh vision of people that is mainly constructed from movies and like the media that has like a noble savage uh, position somewhere as in the guy that doesn't have special revelation is not actually running around with you know loincloths on and eating his neighbor he, he's actually out there just smoking a peace pipe won't have a great time or something like that so that's just not true whatsoever uh, where there is no special revelation of god the, the people in the culture are greatly darkened you know their depravity is 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 higher not not less yeah so when you see the difference between 1985 and 2025 which is soon to be here um 40 years well it's a year i mean we just started 24 that's what i'm saying 2025 <laughs> is approaching yeah, okay right so that'll be a 40-year gap um and in that 40 years what you see is the removal of the uh not that 1985 was some kind of, you know, bowl of cherries, right? <laughs> but uh, the the lessening of the effect of special revelation on a culture as in a general way and the darkening of that culture subsequently. And yeah. you, I mean, there is absolutely no question. And, and many, I'm sure many sociologists have varied opinions on how we've uh, got here. But uh, that would be my take, is how we've got here is slow and steady removal of any type of... Uh, special revelation its effect on a general population in some sense oh for sure yeah you see the the madness that is now when you abandon god and you abandon his reality you're just left with chaos chaos so and <coughs> as that's joker, true as that's the, true with the unenlightened world as well as the joker would say chaos <laughs> so uh neither do the works of creation or providence now the way that they define that is very clear mm-hmm. what they mean by creation is natural revelation in the sense of Romans 1. Um, obviously, no man was present until day 6. So he's not talking about, you know, the witness of uh, creation in the sense of the six days of creation. Um, what he means is what's been naturally revealed through the things that have been made, uh, as we said, Romans 1. So yeah. none of that within it is contained or sufficient to give knowledge of Christ. That's number one. So you don't go out and, as Proverbs would say, examine the ant and come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Now, you do come to a lot of knowledge, I think, and I think that's what Proverbs is highlighting there. When, when you observe nature, you can come to a lot of very logical, solid conclusions about many different subjects. None of those are anywhere in the ballpark of saving faith in Christ. That's number mm-hmm. one. Number two, the works of providence. Now, this is massive. So the face of Jesus in a tortilla, something like that, is would be a very uh, extreme example of a work of providence. <laughs> so you, you see this a lot. You see it a lot, man. Um, I don't it, think that's the, a work of providence. I, I don't think no, claim no, no, no. providence. Agreed. Okay. I, I don't either. I don't, I don't, I don't, so I don't just specify those. Yeah, so I don't agree that that is an actual work of providence. <laughs> but um, I have actually encountered that more than once. It's like, you know, 
that I just had this inkling and then this event somehow, you know, coincides. So I'll use an example from Hollywood. This is a good one, I think. I would not necessarily recommend this film because of its questionable content. However, um, the movie The Gray. If you recall the movie The Gray, okay, it's about the wolves. wolves. A plane yeah. cla- a plane, a plane crashes and some wolves, and you know it's it's a it's an intense movie. Long story short, the guy in The Gray, Liam Neeson, who is uh, in the movie, I think some form of religious person, maybe. And the one like uh, sub sub theme of the movie is where is God in the, in the midst of uh, say uh, terrible circumstance. So little little spoilers. Also caveats. Throughout the movie, the main character Liam Neeson is is consistently kind of reaching for a providential like evidence of God's existence. Like oh, it's going so bad. These wolves are trying to eat us, and we crashed our plane. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And and it and it kind of it kind of uh, what would you say reaches its <laughs> conclusion, it's climax. It's climax in the end when Liam Neeson cries out to God and says, "You know, if you will show up and get me out of this situation, I will believe in you. I will follow you, and all that." And he he waits about thirteen, fourteen seconds. <laughs> yeah, and then, he really does. Y- yep, maybe it's definitely sub minute. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> not sixty seconds. He, <laughs> he gives he gives God a very definite time <laughs> to show up and. He doesn't, in his mind and his in, in his understanding of providence. I'm so, calling on you, he said. Yeah, I'm calling on I'm you. I'm calling on you. Summons. He summons the Lord I'm, there. Where, yeah. uh-huh. You know, I've, I don't know where you, what you're into, but now I've said that you have to be here if you want me to believe in you. Yeah. So uh, then, of course, in his mind, the Lord does does not show up. And then he goes in to say, well, I'll just, I, never mind. <laughs> I think after that, he engages in hand-to-hand combat with the wolves. <laughs> he engages. This is I think subsequently we can we can reasonably conclude that he he dies. <laughs> so, so I don't know, you know, it, you know, it's a question there. And they leave it open ended. Hopefully for him, no. Hopefully he didn't die. Yeah, but. Hopefully he had time to repent and believe. Yeah, <laughs> in the revealed gospel in the Word. <laughs> Which, but anyway, obviously he had knowledge. My point is that 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 is probably an extreme example of of looking for a work of providence, right? But that's the same. How many times uh, I can remember being a child and doing very similar things, obviously not with wolves in combat, but with, um, mm-hmm. I'll believe in you if you do this or it's like that chair move or something like something that. Like yeah, that. Uh-huh. I've talked to numerous people like very shockingly who have done the same thing. And I think it's because it's in our, it's in our nature to some extent to be that, that form of superstitious and, uh, to understand to some extent the power of God and then to put that to the test as a means of our belief, um, you know. So what they mean by works of providence is circumstantial, you know, confirmation that can only be explained by some sort of divine intervention. Um, so they're not denying works of providence. That's, that's very important. They're not denying that the Lord does work providentially in the lives of his people and really providentially in all things. What they're saying is those will not bring you to a saving knowledge of Christ. And that's very important. Hmm. So God, in the book of Acts, um, I think, uses many works of providence. Um, You think one prominent example, obviously, would be Acts 2. The works of providence in the gifting of tongues and then the uh, calling together of that great multitude. But where does that lead? uh, So I think what people have in their minds of Acts 2 is... um, the tongues were given and then understood and then everyone was converted. That's actually not what happened. 
The tongues were given. A sermon's preached. A sermon follows. <laughs> right. Well, fantastic so, sermon, by the way. Yeah. An Old Testament sermon. Uh, so, so uh, all that to say that the power of conversion is in the gospel contained in, in the revelation of God given. That's what we have to believe, I think, as Christians. So the whole, well, if God was real, he would come down in New York and say, here I am. Um, he's done much more than that. Like, he doesn't have to do that again. Um, <laughs> and you wouldn't believe if he did that. No, no. Your problem isn't providential revelation. Providen- like, you have plenty yeah. of that. Uh-huh. Anybody who says, you know, um, anybody who doesn't see... If, pro- I just see, if I just see more stuff, more stuff, if I just have more proof, uh-huh. then I believe. <laughs> yeah, it's not, That's not true. <clears throat> it's not, it's not accurate. True. It's not accurate. So, anybody who doesn't see the providence of God and you being born in this time and the fact that it was basically at best 50 50 if you were born pre 1870s that you would even be born <laughs> like it was you wouldn't even make it through the birthing process and your mom probably wouldn't either so it's just like mm. the providence what happened in 1870 uh, well <laughs> i think i think is it 70 Something. where where i don't know at uh, some point, they discovered germs, which helps a lot with, with the... Yeah, with, that was 1900s. So, yeah. at some point, during the birthing process, they discovered germs, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> now, that, the discovery of germs and the subsequent saving of yeah. many lives is a natural revelation, 100%. That's what oh, yeah. we mean. So That's a great um, example. Actually. It's a great example. That's, that's natural revelation, that you discover things, and you can make logical conclusions, and uh, that, that leads, to, I think, to the betterment of mankind. Yeah, pat, pat yourself on the back. No, that's what I was doing. I noticed. <laughs> uh, so, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your thought. Also, also, I think that could, uh, I would construe that also as a work of providence, that God, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. All, prop- all revelation is yeah. divine revelation. Every bit of it. Every yeah. bit of it is revealed from God. Yep. So, uh, you know, bottled water, <laughs> indoor plumbing, electricity, yep. all those things are evidence of providential grace, common grace. Uh, to even God's enemies, you know, the guy that has an indoor plumbing system, running water, electricity, and hates God, he only has those good things and a family. He only has that because God has providentially given it to him. <coughs> yeah. And Acts two would, I'm sorry, Romans two would say that all those things are meant by God to lead you to repentance. Mm-hmm. All those uh, common graces, his kindness, his kindness and forbearance, mm-hmm. his patience. To not immediately destroy you, which he could do simply by your nature, let alone your, um, as Romans yeah. 2 would say, your heaping up wrath. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, your continual disobedience and the heaping up of sin. Um, so long story short, okay, which I know that was a long story. <laughs> long story long. <laughs> long story long. <laughs> None of those things are sufficient to bring you to a saving knowledge yeah. of Christ. Nothing ever will except except for the actual knowledge of Christ contained in propositional truth that yeah. the scripture gives. Yeah, not only that. This isn't mysterious. Yeah. If you remember also in the scripture, we say all things are clear in there. Yeah. Not all things are equally as clear. Agreed. But they're all clear in there. But yet without the illumination of the spirit, you will not submit or understand or believe any of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the work of nature is not a saving light in that way. <clears throat> yeah. So, so I think we've... Destitute of revelation. I think we've seen the hopefully made it plain the difference between what they mean a work of nature a work of providence yeah which they believe in both yep 
Yeah, so do we. Agreed. Okay. So, um, moving. Point three. Let's get one more thing in point oh, two. Okay, so, make discovery of Christ or of grace by him so much as in a general or obscure way. So, this idea that, and I've, I've actually probably believed this at some point. So, I used to believe, say, somebody comes to me, and, and they're all hard, hard questions um, that come to the Christian, very much so. Don't get me wrong. Uh, a hard question, and we, we touched on this pretty heavily in episode four with Decree. But a hard question for Christians is, what about the guy who never hears anything about the gospel? just lives his life completely devoid of any witness and then dies uh, ignorant of these things. <clears throat> it's only hard in our time because we have the internet and things. That wasn't so hard before when, like, the vast majority of humanity was in that condition, by the way. Like, um, God speaks to the Jews, for example, exclusively for how long? Long time. Long time. Right? Then, then getting into uh, basically subsequent history, not everyone has the gospel, to say the least. <laughs> so that that question is only so poignant now when we think the whole world is, you know, equally informed and equally able to attain to this knowledge. So before it had motivated Christians, I think, to say, "Yeah, that person's going to perish in his sins, and I need to go tell him the gospel." You know. So now it's motivated Christians, and somehow in the opposite direction, to say, "I think he's okay. I mean, he's doing his best." <laughs> Well, that's just postmodern thought, right? 100%. So I used to believe that God would give everyone a chance, right? Even though you could visibly demonstrate that's not <laughs> that's the case. That's not true. <laughs> um, it's not the case. Hasn't been the case. Well, in, it's not. Yeah. So Even our day, it's, it's, it's not the case. So it's so it's important to see that they're not destitute of revelation and, and, and that it's <laughs> not like they don't have a clue. They, they actively know God and suppress the knowledge of him. Mm-hmm. By the natural light that they have and the conscience that within them, both of those things bear witness, and they suppress both of those things and will continually suppress those things without the providential act of the revealed will of God through His Word and conversion of the Spirit. Okay, yeah. so I agreed. It's very well said. So basically, what I'm saying is, I had a mystical understanding of somehow. <laughs> oh, is that what you're saying? People, people <laughs> feeling their way in the dark towards Christ and finding Him without the objective revelation of what that means. So, you see this today in things like, um, if, you ever, if you've ever heard the term Abrahamic faiths, for example, that Jews, Christians, and, and Muslims all share this Abrahamic connection, which is insanity, <laughs> by the way. All three make very different claims about Abraham and his faith. <laughs> um, so, this idea of inclusion, like, and, and it's really subjective. So, some people would say, if you're religious in any sense, then you're probably okay. We just don't like atheists. And then other people would say, well, it's, it's not necessarily about belief. It's more so about right action. So if you're doing okay, no matter what you believe. That's a covenant of works. Right? Yeah, yeah, it all mm-hmm. is. It all is. But mysterious unions with, with Christ have become very, very popular. right? Um, everything from the near-death experience crowd all the way through. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's insanity. All those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we live in a, in a truly... Inclusivistic time, like, like that one five-year-old that went up in the heaven. They made a movie about what was the name of them. <sighs> heaven is for real. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that validates it. See that 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 the the the, the five-year-old's experience. Now, I, now I know it's for real. Right mm, after that, that's yeah. all I needed. Uh-huh. Thanks, Hollywood. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, good job there. <laughs> I'd rather have the gray. 
<laughs> well, it's more straightforward, I think. It is. So, you don't get mystical union with Christ without actual knowledge. You don't get uh, some some form of Christian that's not overtly believing in Jesus. Like, that doesn't exist. You also, yep. and this isn't really contained, but you also don't have union with Christ through your nominal connection to your granddaddy preacher or your mother who read you the Bible. That doesn't give you anything, by the way. You don't, you don't have some kind of superficial connection. No. Okay, paragraph three. The revelation of the gospel to sinners made in diverse times and by sundry parts, which is an allusion to Hebrews, clearly, mm-hmm. made in many times and many ways, the revelation of the gospel to sinners with the addition of promises and precepts for the obedience required therein. As to the nations and persons to whom it is granted, it is merely of the sovereign will and good pleasure of God. Not being announced by virtue of any promise to the due improvement of men's natural abilities. By the virtue of common light received without it, which none ever made or can do so. And therein, in all ages, the preaching of the gospel has been granted unto persons and nations. As to the extent of mm, straddling it, straddling, strategic of it in great variety according to the counsel of the will of God. Yeah, so that's kind of put back. Uh, why are these people destitute of revelation then? It's because of the sovereignty of God for his right to uphold and to loose whatever. And that's a, that's a truth in which that we want to squirm out from under. Do we not? I do. Yeah, you want to squirm out from that and say, oh, well, why is this? It's because God has withheld this light from them for his own purposes and for his own reason. That that's what's being confessed here, anyway. <clears throat> I don't think that's all they're saying. No, 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 it's not. But no, that that's the big thing we see here. That that's the, that's at least one takeaway. So start at the top. Well, first they use Psalm one forty seven twenty. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. So. Uh, I, so in that context, that's talking about the nation of Israel, talking about his special relationship with them and the exclusive relationship with them. Um, and they're saying, no one else has this. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Acts 16, 7. That's, that's exclusive, right? That's what we've been talking about. Yeah. So this is an interesting use here. Acts 16, 7. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. That's an interesting narrative. And in general, Paul and his attempts to go into Asia and the Bible explicitly saying the Spirit said no. Now, eventually I think he does go, and the gospel eventually, I think, is preached to that whole nation, whole, whole area, and eventually the whole world, right? I mean, we look forward to that. But I think what they're trying to highlight here is, uh, yeah, it's in God's timing and in God's purpose, and it's his and not Paul's and not mm-hmm. ours. And um, the Spirit at that time expli- explicitly said, and I think other places make it plain that the Spirit spoke directly and said no. Like, no, <laughs> like I, I don't, that, that's in, that, that, to us, that makes no sense. But uh, it doesn't have to, in some sense. Yeah, I mean, a great point. So point three is, you gonna, is that all the, you going to... They also know? cite Romans 1, 8, 18 to 32, which oh, okay. uh, we've covered Romans 1 extensively. <laughs> so go, go ahead. Yeah, so... Um, so what you see here, uh, I was going to say something. I forgot. My, I lost my train of thought. Don't you hate that? I do hate that. You need to take you some uh, 
Mushroom supplements. Apparently, they're good for the brain. Mushrooms? I eat mushrooms. Like yeah. Portobello's? No, no. These are like super weird mushrooms. Yeah. Like psychedelic mushrooms? Oh, no, no. Uh-huh. No, these are not drugs. Oh, okay. they're, they're just like, I don't know, what kind of, uh, some kind of Japanese shrooms or something. They put them in pill form. You got to stop watching Rogan, man. I know. I actually got that from Sean Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> he calls them functional mushrooms. Uh, okay. <laughs> supposed to help your brain. Uh, so, but anyway, um, what was I saying? Uh, uh, <laughs> so what? the exclusivity of God, and uh, they demonstrate it, I think, pretty well. Paul's st- staying out of Asia in the Spirit, telling him not to go. Um, God using the Jews. And, and they, they consistently use this idea of nations and then people, which I think is something else we really struggle with, hardcore. Yeah. In our time, to view like a corporate entity, like a nation, as a thing in, in which God can deal, um, that opens up an entire can of worms. But um, not that he can save a nation without somehow regenerating the people inside that nation individually. It's not what we're saying. Yeah, they're tied together, but, right? They are tied together. <coughs> but <clears throat> the idea of the Jews, say, versus the Greeks, the Jews versus the Romans, or the Jews versus any anti- culture of antiquity, they are markedly different, and God has a markedly different purpose for them by his own sovereign decree and will. And as a Christian, like you have to, you have to deal with that. So when you read um, ancient Greek philosophies into Roman philosophies, who was the dude that Calvin translated? I think he was a Roman guy. He translated like all his works. Um, um, anyway, basically his conclusion was this guy was super well versed in natural revelation and knew nothing of God. No, right. You know, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you have to say that. And when you ask why, why is it that, okay, just taking the gloves off, why is it that where, I, where I'm born, where I grew up, and the faith that I now have is somehow intrinsically connected to context, timing, the nation I'm born in, the family I'm born into, the uh, cultural influence over me, the witness of the gospel given to me over and over and over again. Like, why is that so for me and not so for Iran? Are we going to say that God has nothing to do with that? Yeah, I think the, the majority view of that is if God just can't mobilize <laughs> enough people to make that happen or something like that. Yeah. So He's that's, doing his best. that's the interplay of human will and divine sovereignty, of course. But what we see here is that anybody that has that light is by his grace and by his good pleasure. He can he can justly withhold that from anyone in which he, he, he wishes. He can, he can justly say, hey, I want to establish my church in North America and not in Middle East. Like he's not bound. Grace is is not demanded, and, vi- and vice versa. And vice versa. Like if the shoe's yeah. on the other foot, and you know, which yeah. it may well be in, for, yeah. in a generation like it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so it, it's free to go to whoever it wishes, and and withheld from whoever it wishes, and that's the ultimate thing. That is all by the sovereign will and good pleasure of God, not according to any sort of failing of church polity. <laughs> Amen. Is what they're trying to. Um, Hell out here was what they're reacting against. <clears throat> I was going to say something else that completely left my mind, though. Yeah, it happens. Yes. Again, this is a, a reiteration of a lot. So nothing brings you there, other than 
God's sovereign will and the revelation of Scripture. <clears throat> yep, agree with that. So that it doesn't improve man's natural abilities, right? <coughs> no. It's uh, it, like I said, it's just a further clarifying uh, of the one point of that. Yeah. So I think I think maybe the most offensive thing about uh, the full revelation of God is man's nature. And I think that's really, as far as a lot of people are willing to go, a lot of people say that they're Christians, but then completely deny like the witness of Scripture on various topics, right? Um, which, in, in one way, we're all, we're all in this process of God being patient with us, the Spirit teaching us, and us growing. That's true. But at the same time, some things are a lot clearer than others, and some things are overtly denied. <laughs> like the exclusivity of Christ, for example, is a like a, a cornerstone of the Christian religion, such as under heaven there has been given no other name by which we must be saved, <laughs> right? <coughs> so you're like, nah, I don't know about some of this. I don't know so much about that. Yeah. So what you have is is Liz, I think this is might be what I was going to say, but. So what you have in the modern face is very clear, objective, biblical revelation of the meaning of that. As in, apart from explicit confessed faith in Christ, there is no salvation. Mm. And then you have the uncomfortableness of which that brings and, mm. and the reality of which that states. And now you want a coping mechanism, some way in which that we don't want to confess that because it makes us feel queasy a little bit and we think that that makes God unfair or something like that. Uh, agreed. I think so. It's it's a it's a coping mechanism. The, the inclusionism is just say, oh well, maybe hopefully, hmm. versus a straight confession of what Scripture says. God's a big boy. Okay, he can take care of himself. He reveals these things. Let him defend itself. Like it's got nothing to do with me. I, I agree. <coughs> Sorry, I'm tore up today. I think the tendency. Is kind of a good one to try to defend the Lord in light of certain. It's good hearted. It's good hearted. I'll say that about his character to say that. Oh, look, God's a moral monster because of India, right? <laughs> because of the degradation of America. Like clearly, there is no God because of all this corruption. Like we're doing just fine. The problem is you don't know anything about human history. Like <laughs> we're doing fantastic. <laughs> we have been on the uptick for quite some time. So while you have your soft toilet paper <laughs> and your abundant food supply and you mock God because of something happens, like you're, you're doing good. Your HBO cut off. <laughs> your HBO's off and your internet ain't working. Uh, God's still on his throne. Okay. <laughs> so, so long story again, short, I think to summarize this whole thing to, so far is that um, the tendency to... Try to logically reason your way out from under this truth is very popular. I've done it. I've preached it. I've done it. Uh, I find that tendency in my own heart to this day, even uh, with the grace of God and the knowledge that he's allowed me to have about this truth particular. Um, I completely understand the tendency to try to collapse under the weight of this. I, I remember... Um, a Ligonier Q&A I watched one time where, you know, Ligonier's pretty solid. I'll say it like that in general. Super solid. And uh, Derek Thomas, Thomas was asked about hell. Like, just, what about it? Basically. 
And it was just like, you know what? I really don't like this doctrine. Like, it's not that I stay up at night saying, yay. <laughs> like, yay, hell. But I can't deny it. Like, it's not up to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's we really struggle with that as Christians in our time to just be like, I know you might not come back to a meeting. I know you might. This might be the truth that fully reprobates you. I'll say it like that. And that's not up to me. Like, I don't have the ability or capacity to save you. Nothing I do to dumb this down or make it sweeter to you will actually have an effect. And if you don't believe that, just give it a shot. Okay? (laughs) Like, we have to just be faithful to the text, faithful to the revealed will and word of God. And uh, that's our only job. Like, in the final synopsis, it's not going to be like, you remember that Tuesday you were witnessing to the dude on the street and all you had to do was give him a lollipop and tell him that no one goes to hell and he would have, he would have believed and it's on you like no that's not how that's going to go I remember what I was going to say now go good okay, you ready I was really just trying to stretch it out long enough <laughs> so that you would yeah uh, so one of the common uh, objections I would imagine is probably used at that point in time too that you hear is oh well they don't the Old Testament saints don't have explicit faith in Christ either okay yeah that's a good one yeah so you see Abraham he doesn't know or or or, or David doesn't have this full revelation or whatever else and this is what's being mainly taught against right here in point three yeah. is that they did they did explicitly know Christ Abraham does David does uh, everybody does right in, in that sense so he's going to say that's the reason they're going to say uh, with addition of promises and precepts of obedience acquired <laughs> therein so you see that revelation of the promise of Genesis 3.15 is progressive and is gradual, and it has more and more. But that promise of the gospel is from the garden forward. Yeah. So they have explicit faith, not in a general sense, but in an explicit sense, and at least in, in, in Christ. Uh, not as in full as in the precepts added or the obedience therein, as in we have a more full revelation, but they have enough of which is required of them of this faith and repentance not generically but in christ himself even though they can't name him by name right yeah it's still in that promise of the gospel so the gospel is from the garden forward Mm -hmm. it's not from pentecost forward that is that's a false teaching there agreed yeah well said Uh, so to illustrate that i think noah for example is two thousand years roughly down the line (laughs) Roughly. Roughly. <laughs> Down the line from creation. All right. So his faith is the same as mine in one sense and also progressively less than mine in another. So Noah is not concerned with uh, where's my priest? Where's my animal to give to that priest? No. But Noah is concerned with substitution, animal sacrifice, all those things. Mm-hmm. Right. So Moses Some is, sort of cleanness of animals. Well, agreed. Clearly, clearly, um, that's some, interesting. Some distinction yeah. made among among animals, and then the sacrifice of certain ones, and it seems in a certain way, mm-hmm. for sure. Not just like well, I guess, just kill him. <laughs> so, so again, this this idea, kill him. The seed form, pun intended, of this idea is is the exact same all the way up to now, not changed, not expanded. Not progressively different. Mm-hmm. What's progressively different is the light at which we understand the depths of that promise. Yeah, that's right. the reason the new covenant is so much better. Yeah, it's because there's no topology. Right? It's Agreed. All, Here it's it is. All substance. Right. Yep. The shadow has. There's passed. no object lessons. Right. Mm-hmm. Those those deals. Yeah. 
but agree. yeah, that, so so the, the so Christ and you and I that name by name and have a much fuller revelation. That's the same Christ that Abraham believes in, mm-hmm. same one that Adam, if if he is redeemed, is redeemed by, which I think he is. But and I to me, just being honest with my natural proclivities, that always bothered me almost yeah. more than right. It, it bothered me uh, to think like I can just have the Holy Spirit in full measure. Number one, <laughs> yeah. To some extent, a difference. Number two, I have the entire biblical corpus and 2,000 years of faithful men to teach me. <laughs> yeah, right. To some extent. Yeah. I have all this blessing, uh, blessing mm-hmm. that they didn't have. How is that fair? And they're the father of your faith, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. And I was not, believe it or not, my name did not come up in Hebrews 11. <laughs> <laughs> so somehow. At least not yet. You know, you got damage. <laughs> I feel confident it's not going to make any. So in Hebrews 11, what you see is that their faith, their trust, their regeneration and life is actually an example to us to learn from. Yep. Not the other way around, you know? Um, it's amazing. So, it, it, by the way, the only fair thing to get from God is death, condemnation. Mm-hmm. Anything else, literally anything else, and we're not just talking about eternal, anything else other than temporal, immediate death and mm-hmm. destruction, that's fair. Anything else is grace. And that's grace. And Nobody that's, gets injustice here. No. You and I are paid for, anybody in Christ is paid for on the cross. That's not injustice. He takes that upon himself willingly as a perfect sacrifice. Anybody reprobated, left in their sin, gets exactly what they deserve. Hmm. No injustice is ever dealt with, with anybody in humanity. Yeah. It's a big pill to swallow. Yes. All right, paragraph four. Although the gospel be the only outward means of revealing Christ and saving grace, and is, as such, abundantly sufficient thereunto, yet that men who are dead in trespasses may be born again, quickened or regenerated, there is moreover necessary and effectual inseparable work of the Holy Spirit upon the whole soul for the producing in them a new spiritual life without which no other means will affect their conversion unto God. Amen. <laughs> Yay and amen. So they cite uh, Psalm 110.3 Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning the dew of the uh, of, of youth of your youth will be yours. Uh oh. Uh, First Corinthians. Sorry, I clicked on the wrong thing. First Corinthians two fourteen. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So people, and again, I hate to just, but people always ask me like, how do you? You have this philosophical understanding of man and this philosophical understanding of uh, salvation that you read into the text. Um, it's like, dude. You are the pot and the kettle here, my friend. Are you kidding me? Dude. Dude. <laughs> calm down. First Corinthians, bro. <laughs> so I know this is a this is a point of contention. Basically, all these explicit doctrines of the sovereignty of God and the application of man, the will of man in the in the process, all that I get is is divisive. Here's the thing. One side takes the entire text, okay, and systematizes them together. Another side has proof text. And it's one or the other, right? Either either you do full justice to what God says, either you take the natural man and what it means in 1 Corinthians uh, 2 there, 14, and you have a 
biblical definition of what Paul's saying, or you say, well, ah, so, and I'm sure the same thing could be shot back um, towards my position with other texts, and I get that. I honestly believe I have a lot less problem texts. <laughs> I, I would I would argue I have none. But um, so Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, who thought that was coming? Um, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? John six forty four didn't see that coming. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I'll raise him up on the last day. The last one, 2 Corinthians 4. It's the first time I'm hearing these texts. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. <laughs> In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Long story short, <coughs> these men are saying, <coughs> it's God who saves, it's God who regenerates, and the preaching of the gospel, even taking the special revelation, holding it open, and screaming it from the rooftops until the day you die is not sufficient. The work of the Spirit is required. That's what they're saying in point four. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So uh, that's a great, great point there. So uh, it's not because Scripture's not clear, and it's not because of any sort of ambiguity. So it's not because <laughs> the Scriptures are lacking. It's because men are dead. Yeah. Uh, so the only means of which the Spirit uses to draw the church, we see, we saw that continually through the chapter, is the preached word, or is the received word of God. That's two sides of the same coin. So we can't say that the Spirit's come to me and that He does not come to me with the Word of God because mm -hmm. that is the means in which that He chooses to work. Mm -hmm. uh, they're inseparable. So how will they hear without a preacher? How will they believe? And so the problem is the nature that you have and the abilities that you have because of your fallen Adam. It's not because of the, of the revelation is really what I want to bring out. Um, so the Scripture's clear. It interprets itself. It's its own authority. It needs nothing else to it, but left to its own devices, left to your own <laughs> devices with it, 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 it will not do these things apart from the special work of the yeah. Spirit. So using the Armenian Billy Graham-style argument, um, Christ is the medicine. All you have to do is take it. Okay. The difference between us is when the dude's laying there dead and you open <laughs> his mouth and insert the medicine, he's already dead. He's already dead. Yeah. So that, that really is the crux of the issue. What they're saying here is it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is no help at all. That's what they're yeah. saying. Natural man cannot receive this. That's what. That's, that's just, I'm just quoting the text. <laughs> I just quoted it. Sorry. So, I think um, I think what did it for me was exegetical preaching. Right. It's one thing to. This truth is undeniable. Agreed. It's undeniable. Agreed. And and it's only undeniable though, and if you have it to ruminate on in yourself. So the, I think a lot of differences between. Uh, proper theology, right understanding and articulation of truth, and not so, isn't always uh, regeneration. I think many regenerate people have uh, room to grow, myself included, in knowledge and ability to articulate that. What what The ammunition for that is actually biblical knowledge. Like the problem with a lot of this debate is that all you've ever heard is topical sermons. Maybe all you've ever preached is topical sermons. <coughs> Excuse me. So... It's some of it coming out right there. Topical. That was topical. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, the the biblical knowledge 
um, required to come to pro- any conclusion on any doctrine is, in, in one sense, quite a bit. So this question, for example, of inclusion, like I said, I, th- I think, honestly, I understand uh, why men would go that route. Like I, And I feel that natural tendency to go that route myself to, because it's a very painful, horrible, terrifying doctrine of the judgment of God that we don't like. And uh, it's, it, that's okay. Like, why would you like that? So, <laughs> while, who, who yeah. mm-hmm. it would take a very different type of person to be like, yes, can't wait for the judgment. Can't wait to see that punishment eternally dealt out. <laughs> like, no, I don't think any faithful Christian does is like, yay. Right? That being said, um, natural tendencies, human logic, reason will only take you so far. And it's not far enough to be in Christ. Mm. Um, going a step further you can have full access to the biblical revelation and sit under it for years and be unregenerate so uh, and the last caveat you can also be regenerate and not grow and be spiritually um, a babe in Christ Um, not take that solid food not take that um, propositional truth and ruminate on it pray on it let the spirit apply it to you in that sense yeah so there's a lot of places you can find yourself that being said, the work of the Spirit is, and I think point four is, is the final word on purpose in this section. Yep. Really, it's the work of the Spirit at the end of the day that's required. It's the prerequisite. Not just the Word by itself, but the work of the Spirit coupled with the Word. And that is the means through which God saves His people. Agreed there. That's a great chapter to have um, in a confession. Yeah. Especially nowadays. but Especially nowadays. Yeah, so it's all by grace. There's no covenant of works to be done by anybody. Uh, we've already failed the test. There's no way in which that we can live up to our revelation. <clears throat> if you are in Christ, it's because you have been risen to new life by the pure grace of God through the work of the Spirit by the means of the Word. Hmm. And that's explicit by the preaching, the proclamation, and the reading of it. It's not implicit in any way. If you do not know the name of Christ, you are not saved. <clears throat> And that should motivate missions. That should motivate all those things. Yeah. By the name of Christ, we don't mean just a random... Supersti- yeah. What we mean is the full knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. The knowledge of Him, His work, His person. Not just like Jesus. Did you see that a lot? <laughs> you see that a lot today, by the way. Just what do they do? Jesus. <laughs> the superstitious thing that's tied with ritualism, like exorcisms and, and all that stuff. It's, 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 it's out there. If you follow me in any way, I always, I think I stole this from you, actually. I think you're the first one to say this. It's not Jesus the golf caddy. <laughs> I don't think, it, maybe. I think you said that first, and then I immediately stole it from you. <laughs> so it's not Jesus the golf caddy. It's Jesus the resurrected Savior. That's the one in which. How, uh, how great, though, of a golf caddy would, <laughs> would the Lord be? He the would. one who created physics in itself. <laughs> he would be the ultimate golf caddy, yeah. And has full omniscience. Like, don't <laughs> don't swing that. <laughs> what are you doing? So not not that one. Not that one. Why but, do you even own a driver, is yeah. what he would say. <laughs> Put that thing down. That's not what he'd say to me. <laughs> he, would, he would say, your, club, your clubs consist of the driver, the pigeon wedge, and the putter. <laughs> That's the only three you need. Right, closing thoughts. <laughs> um, it's just it, it's just it's it's a truth in which that I think I would challenge you to chew on. 
Yeah. And the understanding of the providence and the and the great blessing you have if you are in Christ, if you're given in a land that has religious light that has these things. And do not take that for granted because it's not owed to you. Mm-hmm. It's given by free. It's also very unique to you. Yeah. It's um, yeah. So it's it, people really yeah. think like antiquity is nineteen twenty. I know. And it's like it's not antiquity. That's yesterday. Yeah, right. So, yeah. You know. Yeah, so you see the the spreading of the gospel, right, from twelve men and have a world away. Thirteen. I mean, Matthias. <laughs> Matthias counts. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I talked about that last week. I talked to X one. Mm. What'd I, you come to? I just, I don't know, man. I don't mm. know about Matthias. You don't know. I just I don't know what to do with him and Paul. I just I don't, I don't reconcile those two things. But anyway, mm. that's a, another conversation. Rock on. <laughs> Rock on. So closing thoughts. Um, Christianity is not all sunshine and rainbows. Christianity is not a human-centered religion made to give you therapy and make you feel better about yourself. Christianity is the revealed will of God, and it's about Him. That being said, there's much to be gleaned in human experience from the actual God of Scripture who exists, who made the human heart and the human soul, and can heal it. He is the great physician. Those things are accurate. However, um, we live for Him, not Him for us. This truth and your stance on this truth is a great evidence of where you're at in that process. <laughs> um, hell deniers, judgment deniers, deniers of the sovereignty of God and salvation. To some extent, you're living for yourself, for your own emotions. It's bad. <laughs> Knock it off. Quit it. Quit it. <laughs> so coming up, Christian liberty and the liberty of conscience. We're finally here. <laughs> for all our Armenian brothers, finally... <laughs> <laughs> You made your way into our confession. <laughs> you, my friend, have arrived. <laughs> you think anybody else laughs at our humor? No, yeah. I don't. I don't think I feel like so. it's super like British style. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if 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 Bob Godfrey's listening, he would laugh at it. Ha! <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> ha! Oh no, that's a good. It's got a good chapter coming up there. One of the main tenets of the Reformation, I would say. So, Christian liberty. Christian liberty. Yeah, big topic. Yes, indeed. I'm I'm waiting to make it to the Sabbath, so I'm waiting for that one. It'll be a good one. When, when's that? Uh, next chapter. After that. 22? One. 22. What chapter do you look forward to the most? Ooh. Uh, that we have left. Mm, but, oh, that's a good question. The one I look forward to the least is probably Lawful Oaths and Vows. <laughs> Well, not all things are as equally significant in the confession. I would say uh, the state of man after death and the resurrection of the dead, I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah. The Lord's Supper and baptism. The Lord's Supper and the baptism, I guess, would probably be one for me. Yeah. Just because of the neglect and everything that you see in Baptist world of those. If I haven't plugged it lately, the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith online is absolutely handy. I got that one app. That's got all the creeds and all the confessions. Got the Westminster Savoy. Yeah, Reform Companion. The Reform Companion. That's fantastic. That is. Look here. I've got the Westminster, the Belgic, the 89, the Canons of Dort, 39 Articles, Second Helvetic. Gosh. You also have the Apostles Seen, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, the Chalcedonian <laughs> Definition. I mean, yep. if you don't have that app, I just recently discovered it. Get that app. And then by to the judicial and impartial reader by James Renahan. <laughs> We've said that multiple times. Or better option, 
if you've never read through the whole Bible. <laughs> we'll just start with that. Start. Okay, yes. Yep. And then then we'll go from there. <laughs> with, a, with a very hefty focus on, say, Romans, Ephesians, Hebrews, Colossians, the, the pastoral epistle, just the writings of Paul in the New Testament with a special focus. Also the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Basically the New Testament. Just the New Testament. Let's yeah. start with the new. Start with the new one. Make your way in the old. Read it a couple of times, then go to the old. Yeah. And then see if you disagree with us after. You read through the whole... <laughs> You read through the whole Bible, man. Have I? Yeah. yeah. I think my biggest lacking um, biblical working knowledge is Proverbs and the Minor Prophets. I think I really... Oh, you're the only one. <laughs> uh, obviously. I, I, surprisingly, I feel better about the Pentateuch than I think most people do. I feel better about Leviticus and places like that than I do about Minor Prophets, especially like uh, Obadiah, places like that. Yeah, you just got to do a lot of background work yeah, with it's, those it's guys. It's pretty challenging. I've been reading yeah. through Ezekiel, and it's very contextual, I think. I'm going through the Psalms. <clears throat> I feel good, see me good about. I mean, I've re- I've definitely read through the entire Psalter. My struggle with the Psalms is I know certain ones a lot more than other ones. Oh yeah, of course. Maybe what would you say? Maybe book one, book two as the divisions. Book three, I, I'm not, I'm familiar with, but not extremely. Book three's so. got Psalm 110. I know. Yeah, <coughs> so I know that one very well. The New but, Testament knows that one very well. Yeah, yeah. it's the most quoted Psalm. It is. Actually, it's, it's the most, most quoted portion. Old Old Testament verse next to Deuteronomy, of course. <laughs> no. no, Deuteronomy's up there. It's up there. Oh yeah, for sure. But you know, yeah, there's allusions to not the entire corpus of the Old Testament, but a lot of it. Yeah, there's a few, but a majority. They never quote from the <coughs> the uh, uh, apocrypha. Oh, <laughs> it's another conversation. But yeah, I mean, well, Christian liberty is on its way. Uh, I think that's an extremely important topic. Uh, Agreed. Very under understood. Appreciate. Not underappreciate. Let's go with that. Till next time. Till next time. God bless you.